الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله القاهر فوق عباده إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون والله غالب على أمره ولكن أكثر الناس لا يعلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وعزيزنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وصفيه وخليله وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيارة من أمرهم ومن يعصي الله ورسوله فقد ضل ضلالا بعيدا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يعتصم بالله فقد هدي إلى صراط مستقيم أما بعد أيها المؤمنون يقول الله سبحانه الله سبحانه وتعالى says this ayah is around 170 or 172 in Surah Al-A'raf. وَإِذْ أن تقولوا يوم القيامة إنا كنا عن هذا غافلين. This ayah is probably one of the most challenging and difficult ones to translate. But the closest approximation to it in the English language that yours truly can find is the following. And bear in mind when Allah took وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِنْ بَنِي آدَمْ From the descent Allah took, your sustainer took, from the descendants of Adam min zuhurihim 
out of their backs their offspring and he had them bear witness to their own selves saying to them am I not your sustainer they said of course we bear witness meaning we bear witness to the fact that you are our sustainer and then the ayah <coughs> ends by saying Lest you say on the day of resurrection we were oblivious to this to the fact that Allah is your sustainer. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us of something that our memory has no ability to recall. Strictly in the mental sense, there's no capacity for man to remember this fact that Allah is stating here. وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِنْ بَنِي آدَمَ مِنْ ظُهُورِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ وَأَشْهَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ قَالُوا بَلَىٰ شَهِدْنَا أَنْ تَقُولُوا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّا كُنَّا عَنْ هَذَا غَافِلِينَ And there's a couple of other ayat that follow that are related to this but because of the weather and because of the limitations of time we'll do with this now the first thing that we should learn from this for practical purposes is that we in a time before we came into this worldly existence we testified in front of Allah that he is our sustainer (coughs) when we are in this life and we have duties and responsibilities and we have things to do and we have issues to take care of the world the life that you have do you behave in a way that you are ascertaining Allah's your testimony to Allah's superiority and sustainability of your life. Do you do that or you don't do that? And without going into the details of today's social and political and military and other aspects of life, the fact of the matter is 
very few Muslims act and behave when they make decisions and when they decide on policies and when they implement strategies when they do all of this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not on their mind it's as if he doesn't exist which contradicts their testimony before they came into this life now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confidence in you don't underestimate yourself other ayat in the Quran express this fact and these ayat can be summarized in two words Al-Khilafa and Al-Amana now when we use the word Al-Khilafa there's pollution concerning this word in the public mind that pollution has to do with our history it has nothing to do with the Quran itself the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in an ayah in the Quran says inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa I am going to render unto earth a khalifa it doesn't mean the khilafa of Rasulullah that you find in history books and you find mostly anyone who uses the word because this is in the polluted mind this is what comes into your mind when you hear the word no 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 relieve yourself of the pressures and the cumulatives of history relieve yourself of that and have a fresh approach to Allah's meanings so Allah says inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa I am placing on earth someone who is going to carry responsibilities as a successor to me that's the inference of the word so we are khulafa Allah on earth every human being inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa what happened when the angels heard this they asked and their question has some type of reservation about this development how can there be this type of khalifa on earth qalu the this is an ayah in surah al-baqarah qalu atajhalu fiha man yufsidu fiha wa yasfiku dima' wa nahnu nusabbihu bihamdika wa nuqaddisu lak they ask are you this the, the angels are speaking to Allah Jalla wa'ala are you having on earth those who will cause corruption and cause bloodshed in the meantime we are glorifying and exalting you what was Allah's answer to that 
قَالَ إِنِّي أَعْلَمُ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ I know what you do, do not know. Meaning, this dialogue or this back and forth between the angels and Allah, Jalla Sha'nuh, Allah is coming to our defense when they have their question marks about our presence on earth. He says to them, He answers them, Inni a'lamu ma la ta'lamun. So Allah is vouching for us when we cannot vouch for ourselves. That's one. Another ayah in the Quran which which uh, explains the word amana the trust inna aradna al-amanata ala as-samawati wal-ardi wal-jibali fa-abayna an yahmilnaha wa hamalaha al-insan innahu kana zaluman jahula we meaning we here is in reference to divinity to Allah Azza wa Jal, we offered trust to the heavens and the earth and the mountains and they refused it. They refused to carry this trust. But who carried it? insan. You and me social beings the mainstream word for that is human beings social beings the person the people the social beings who assumed this trust did so through a process of extreme ignorance and extreme misdeeds. This characterizes our history. The angel, we juxtapose now the two ayahs, the ayah of al-khilafah and the ayah of the amana. We put them face to face. In the first ayah, the angels were saying, we, people in the world, throughout history, we're going to, we're going to cause corruption and bloodshed. The answering, the echoing ayah answering this is, ظَلُومًا jahula. Ours is a tendency for offense and for ignorance and capping all of this is Allah's words inni a'lamu ma la ta'lamun i know what you do not know In other words, if we take a few minutes of our time, settle down, just have a 
very calm and cogent understanding of these ayat we figure and there's no other way around this we eventually figure out that Allah is saying I have confidence in you to go a step further and borrow words from the Sufi vocabulary Allah is saying I have faith in you that was his answer to the angels and that is his characterization of our responsibilities coming from the trust we have in him وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةٌ قَالُوا أَتَجْعَلُ فِيهَا مَنْ يُفْسِدُ فِيهَا وَيَسْفِكُ الدِّمَاءِ وَنَحْنُ نُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِكَ وَنُقَدِّسُ لَكَ قَالَ إِنِّي أَعْلَمُ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ The other ayah, Inna aradna al-amanata ala al-samawati wal-ardi wal-jibali fa-abayna an yahmilnaha wa hamalaha al-insan innahu kana zaluman jahula. Now, if we saturate our hearts and our minds with these meanings when Allah is telling us I have faith in you and there are other words in the Quran that corroborate this meaning those other words you can trace this you can go and do this at your leisure fortunately here the weather doesn't permit for further explanation, but you can go to the word mithaq in the Quran. Look up this word in the ayat, and you will see that Allah, and this word is translated most of the times as pledge. But mithaq has a meaning of Connectivity. And that connectivity is on the basis of confidence. So there's a connectivity of confidence between Allah and between us. That's our mithaq. The word thiqa, I don't know if made it into any other of these languages that Muslims use, whether it's Persian or Turkish or Urdu or whatever, I don't know. But the word thiqa means confidence. So this relationship of confidence that Allah has in us is being violated by the lack of relationship, that the lack of confidence relationship that we should have with Him. This is where our problems germinate and generate. Can we 
reposition ourselves and reinforce this confidential relationship with the Almighty, with the All-Merciful, with the All-Present, with the All-Knowing? Can we do that? Or are we to condemn our life to verbalizing Allah's words and abdicating the responsibilities tucked into those words, which we happen to realize is the case in today's real world. Another joiner to these ayat in the Qur'an which I would like to bring to your attention. There is a so-called hadith that goes like this. صِنْفَانِ مِنَ النَّاسِ إِذَا صَلُحَا صَلُحَ النَّاسِ وَإِذَا فَسَدَا فَسَدَ النَّاسِ الْعُلَمَاء this hadith is saying there are two kinds of people if these two kinds of people are on the right course then the rest of the people will be on the right course if they are on a course of corruption the rest of the people will become corrupt and these two are al-ulama wal-umara i say to you as a commentary on this hadith, on this so-called hadith that these types of statements that are attributed to allah's prophet later on these were written a couple of hundred years at least two or three hundred years after the prophet passed away they are to justify two classes of people in society one of them is the class of scholars and the other one is the class of rulers and this is in violation of tawheed itself which makes the scholar and the ruler the same person. We've been suffering from this schism for centuries now. And unfortunately, not many of us are very attuned to it and therefore feeling the responsibility of correcting this you can't have a ruler who is deficient in knowledge and you cannot have a scholar who is barred from ruling you can't do that and some people just have difficulties i know cultures and traditions and conventions and customs and habits and all of all of these i know they bear down heavily on people's perceptions that is known but there has to come a time 
when you relocate yourself and you belong to Allah's directions, direction and directives, there has to come a time when you say, now I understand. There's a difference between the culture, the local culture that I belong to or the national culture I belong to or the sectarian culture I belong to or whatever uh, other type of eccentric cultures there are there has to come a time when you say I am with Allah and as far as the cultural deviation is concerned I'm not part of that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hasten the time when we can all step out of conventions and such cultures that make the ulama one class of people and the rulers another class of people. This is a dichotomy that did not exist in the time of Allah's Prophet. It did not exist in the first 40 years of Islamic history, meaning after the Hijrah, and should not exist from here into the future, even though we carry the burden of around 14 centuries of going this way or that way. وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بالمحامد كلها على النعم كلها وصلاته وسلامه على رسوله خاتم النبيين ورحمة الله للعالمين Dear committed brothers and dear committed sisters To follow up on the discrepancy that we carry inside our cultures where we are versus where we should be. A follow-up to that is to say, please don't get caught up with fiqhi variations. If you read fiqhi literature, you will find so much differences. And these differences have become issues of division. It's like someone having a garden. And there are different individuals planting in this garden. Do you expect every individual to plant the same plant in the garden? Or is it permissible for one to plant a certain type of plant and another one another type and so forth and so on it makes it a rich garden but this somehow 
becomes unacceptable to many individuals whose understanding of a deen has become only the understanding of fiqh. That's a problem. The problem is not in our Islam, in our deen. The problem is in, uh, in we claiming that we know better than the other Muslim or we are superior to the other Muslim or somehow the other Muslim is inferior. Our legitimate differences, these are legitimate differences that make us equal. They don't make us discriminatory. These differences make us equal. Can we understand that? Take, uh, take for example, let me give you just one example so you can understand what I'm saying. Someone begins their salah after takbirat al-ihram. You say, he says, Allah is, let's say he's the imam leading the prayers. He says, Allahu Akbar, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim, he reads al-Fatiha. After immediately says Allahu Akbar takbirat al-ihram begins alhamdulillah ya rabbil this is a this is a legitimate islamic fiqhi opinion in this legitimate islamic fiqhi opinion there's no dua al-istiftah there's no isti'adha and there's no basmala they don't exist in that school of thought i i can mention the school of thought but as i said i don't want to get on anyone's nerves but it is legitimate. So why can't we accept that? You don't accept it coming from him. You don't have to do that yourself. But if in his heart and in his mind, this is his best understanding of Allah and the way the Prophet prayed, Alhamdulillah. There's no problem with that. And just like other issues, we mentioned these in, in previous khutbas. Should the ma'moom, the person praying behind the imam, should he mention the fatiha, should he read the fatiha, or should he not read the fatiha? Some Islamic schools of thought say he, sh- he should, others say he shouldn't. And whichever is in your heart and in, your, in the depths of your heart and in the core of your mind, whichever one you are relaxed with, that's the right one. But it doesn't mean the other Muslim is wrong. This has been this has been so difficult for Muslims to understand. One of the fuqaha, major fuqaha, who right now in his school of thought, there's hundreds of millions of Muslims. I don't want to mention the name because once again, you know, some people become sensitive to the issue. But for those who know their history, they'll understand who he is. When he was in Baghdad, he used to say, La had ma'atawbah. If a, if a person commits, let's say, a crime, and that crime, there's a had, there's a legal, shara'i, Islamic penalty for it, whether it's stealing or whether it's fornication or whether, whatever it is. And he says his tawbah. That 
Tawbah annuls the Had. So, La Hadda, these are the fiqhi Arabic Shara'i words. La Hadda ma'a Tawbah. Now, the same person goes from what is today Iraq to what is today Egypt. The same person, the same faqih, the same imam. He goes from there to there. And he said, no, that's not correct. There is a had with the tawbah, even though you may express your tawbah, there's still a penalty and a had with it. Not a ta'zir. The difference between a had and a ta'zir, a had is a penalty mentioned in the Qur'an or explained by the Prophet. A ta'zir is left up to the judge. The ta'zir is a type of punishment that is left up to a judge to determine in an Islamic court of law. So this is the same person. But we just This is our problem And we don't want to face this Now We come down If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confidence in us He has faith in us Why can't we speak about the issues That we Allah has given us His trust to approach and to solve. Many of us, we can't take a an Islamic, we can't make an Islamic evaluation of Saudi Arabia and of other rulers and of other regimes throughout the Muslim world and throughout the world. Why? Is your Quran inferior? Is your prophet a lesser teacher than to teach us how to evaluate those who are doing right and thank them for doing right and evaluate those who are doing wrong and be critical of them and if need be, be opposed to them when they are doing wrong? We can't do that. There's a person a scholar, scholar, by the name of Ahmed Al-Imari. He's the dean of the College of Al-Quran Al-Kareem in the University of Al-Madina Al-Munawwara, who was thrown into prison months ago. And then in this past week, news came out that he died in prison because of a stroke was not some news reports say he wasn't given sufficient medical att- attention when something like that happens a muslim who's a dean of a college at a university well known thrown into prison and then dies and we are supposed to like feel or make believe nothing happened 
There's another university in At-Ta'if. You know, that's the city that the Prophet ﷺ went to before his hijrah to Al-Madina. In that university now, they are introducing a curriculum in which they're going to teach music and singing. In principle, yours honestly, has nothing against music and singing. I'm not one of these stubborn, closed-minded individuals who cannot detect the beauty of music and the beauty in songs. But music and songs also have an ugly part to them. And the ugly part we should not accept. But the beautiful part, what's wrong with that? But we're looking at a kingdom that has been ruled by an atavistic establishment, religious establishment, in conjunction with the political establishment. And to begin to do things like this in an abrupt manner without pacing yourself is setting the whole population up for a reaction. At the same time, there are Saudi officials right now who are contacting Egyptian performers, singers, artists, actors, etc., to come to the kingdom. They want to employ these types. Is this what is is this what we need in our time? Is this what when we take a look at the general Muslims in the world, two billion Muslims, their condition? How many of you know that in Cambodia there's one million Muslims? How many? Is this common knowledge? Is it common knowledge that Muslims used to rule in Siberia and in Mongolia? Russia was a small state, probably the size of Texas, if that, a few centuries ago. And then it expanded into all of these areas that used to be more or less Islamic areas until we have what we have today. And then in the Ritz-Carrollton, that prison for the millionaires and billionaires of Saudi Arabia, can you believe there's still, just yesterday they released three individuals who were detained there from last year. Businessmen, of course, a businessman and his consultants. And then one of the princes, officials there, Khaled al-Faisal, he's almost begging Saudi wealthy individuals to invest in their own country. I think they would be afraid to invest in a country that will put them in detention because it wants to have their money. And then listen to this. This is where Muslims should wake up and look what is being said and what is being done. 
The Minister of Islamic Affairs and Da'wah and Guidance, the person's name is Abdul Latif Al Shaykh. He comes from the Shaykh family, that along with the Saudi family, cobbled together the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. He attacked revolutions. In particular, what has happened in Syria. And he said that the Syrian people have been destroyed. And they destroyed Syria. And he described the Syrian rulers, ruling class, the Syrian state as being a strong state. Listen to that. Compare that with what was said by Saudi officials. Remember the Saudi foreign minister who was the ambassador here in Washington, Adil Jubair? He said, on the record, Bashar al-Assad must go either peacefully or by war. And look at what a minister there is saying now. He said, because of the revolt in Syria, the Syrian people are poor, they are poverty-stricken, they are humiliated, they wander throughout the world. And he says, why did all of that happen? Because merchants of fitness were allowed to operate. Well, these merchants of fitness, you were financing. You probably still financing some of them, meaning the Saudi regime. We can't look at this. We don't have, we the Muslims, we don't have enough morality inside of us to say these are liars. You either lied some years ago or you're lying today because you are saying one thing and it's opposite. And that's to be expected from politicians. But you, who who was the minister of Islamic affairs and da'wah and guidance, you speak like this? Can you compare your words to what was said by your other comrades and officials? And then now, just in the past 24 hours, MBS... The clown prince calls the prime minister of Iraq and says to him, Saudi Arabia is willing to help Iraq. And the prime minister, as reported in news sources, answers, and Iraq is willing to receive Saudi assistance. Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International are calling for investigations into the violation of human rights of individuals who are incarcerated and put in terrible conditions behind bars. And of course, up until now, the Saudis, they don't care. They they don't listen to anyone and they, they could not care the least. With these type, because what? Why? Why do they behave like that? They have the support of a superpower, a quote-unquote superpower, here in the United States. 
And then there are other news items that we, if we have a moral Islamic character in us, should be able to look at eye to eye. Now, behind the scenes, there are preparations for a visit. We told you in the other khutbah, in the other week, that the war criminal Netanyahu was going to Chad, the African Republic south of Libya. Now there are preparations for the same crime minister to go to Al-Maghrib, to Morocco. Morocco needs him, they say, because he is able to influence U.S. policy and tip the politics in that area in favor of Morocco against the Polisario that is calling for independence in the southern part of Morocco. And then Morocco also invites a Zionist Israeli who was born in Algeria. He's a singer who lives in France, inviting him over to Morocco to perform and sing in a Muslim country. And he's known this singer to be in support of the Israeli Zionist military establishment. And Algeria, which is supposed to be another Muslim land, it's some companies in it participated in some type of competition concerning alcoholic beverages in France. Algeria, a Muslim country, has participated in an activity like that. How do you think the people of Algeria feel when something like that happens? And then here in Washington, D.C., the Congress, some members are Congress, are trying to have the government investigate whether it is true that the Saudi-Emirati alliance in their war in Yemen are recruiting Yemeni children for war. Remember, children going to war? Well, now we have children going to war recruited by the Saudis and Emiratis. And it's sort of, oh, that's normal. No, no one mentions that. Where did you read that? Did you read it in the Washington Post? Did you hear it on CNN? Why is this type of information absent? And why can't we Muslims speak up, speak the truth? This is what's happening. We're not allowed to express our conscience, our Islamic conscience on these issues. And then we have now the United States wants to go and interfere in other people's businesses. What business does the U.S. government have in interfering in Venezuela? Tell me, what business does it have? This is what they want to do. Ask yourself as a responsible Muslim, can you be silent when things like this Things like this are happening. Can you stay, remain silent? And then 
the latest news article just came out recently. It said that, remember the ambassador who was the crook who caused this issue at the Islamic Center 36 years or so ago? Bandar, that ambassador, just recently gave an in interview to The Independent, one of the newspapers in London, in which he said he, by chance, ran into Qasim Soleimani. This is in the newspaper. It's around. I'm not breaking some, I'm not divulging some type of secret. He said in 2017 when he went to meet the head of the Majlis, the parliament in Iran, Mr. Larijani, just by chance he ran into Qasim Soleimani. They're preparing war in Lebanon. They are preparing war in the region. They are preparing war in Latin America. Is war a type of issue Muslims cannot speak about? Given the information that comes to them from Allah, Jalla wa'ala, and from his Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his. We're not permitted to do that? Now, to end this second khutbah, one sister, Sister Marzia Hashimi, was detained by authorities here in the United States. And of course, they had no right to detain her. They came up with the excuse that she's a flight risk. They wanted to ask her some questions in a court of law. And so they used that excuse. I, don't, I personally don't know any details about anything that, can, that happened before, during, or after that, except what is said in the media. Now, whatever anyone can do, anywhere they are, to support those who have been offended and who have their rights violated, as a matter of our Islamic conscience and our Islamic responsibility, we should speak truth to the offending power. This should be said not from one masjid, not at one Jumu'ah, but all over the world. But the question is, how do you think some people or some Muslims would think when there is extraordinary attention given to sis, a sister, Marzia Hashimi, and not near that much attention given to another detainee behind bars, Sister Afia Siddiqui. There's something in the Muslim mind out there this, this is what happens when Muslims become isolated from each other. You begin to think about someone belonging to you and someone else who doesn't belong to you. The same issue we have with the fiqhi, you know, I don't, yeah, so that person belongs to another fiqh. Okay, here we have an action of an errant government one detainee is still behind bars 
the other detainee is released. And what do you, how do you comment? How do you answer to this? In the general Muslim, if you live and you think within the general Muslim mind and you're not thinking within a certain limited conclave of people, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to liberate us from the negatives of history from the drawbacks of cultures from the fanaticism of individuals from the suspicion and the doubt of others allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'a wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaba ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا وجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم إليك نشكو ضعف قوتنا وقلة حيلتنا وهوانا على الناس يا أرحم الراحمين أنت ربنا وأنت رب المستضعفين فإلى من تكلنا إلى غريب يتجهمنا أم إلى عدو ملكته أمرنا إن لم يكن بك علينا غضب فلا نبالي ولكن عافيتك هي أوسع لنا نعوذ بنور وجهك الذي أشرقت له الظلمات وصلح عليه أمر الدنيا والآخرة من أن تنزل بنا غضبك أو تحل علينا صختك لك العتبى حتى ترضى ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصل وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر أجعلتم سقاية الحاج وعمارة المسجد الحرام كمن آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وجاهد في سبيل الله لا يستوون عند الله والله لا يهدي القوم الظالمين وأقم الصلاة وأرحنا بها Oh, oh, oh.